we send so much money towards missions. And uh, it goes to help pay our missionaries on the field so that they can concentrate on what they're doing. And uh, I'm just so proud that we can really be a part of that. And uh, they don't have to come home and uh, go out looking for money to help them to go back to their field. Uh, They're paid through the churches of the CMA to go out and represent us throughout the world. And they have done a magnificent, magnificent job in representing, first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then our denomination. And uh, it's hard to go somewhere else and learn the language. And uh, Roger, boy, if he could have saw his own face, because yesterday at the men's breakfast, he was explaining out of this one cup and one straw, what's that cup called? Mate. And uh, they take this one cup and they pour a little water into it for strong tea and they sip out of it. Then they put some more water in it and pass it around. And when, when, Roger, when Roger heard pass it around, that did it. Boy, the expression on his face just changed. You know, <laughs> you know. Because for us in America, we don't pass the cup around, do we? <laughs> but for them and their friendship, they pass that cup around. It never goes to the dishwasher. <laughs> it's just passed around and everybody takes a sip out of this straw, which is like a little spoon. And it is something, you know. And I was saying, boy, what would happen in the church if we did that one? <laughs> we put the grape juice all in one cup with one straw. <laughs> okay, Donna, I heard that. <laughs> uh, but to go into another culture and to adapt how they eat, the things that they do, and to blend in with them so that you don't offend them. You accept how they eat, what they eat, and how they celebrate. And see, in my mind, I thought all the sun worshiping was done, but as they explained to us, there are still people there who worship the sun. You know, and... uh But to be in three different countries, learning another language, learning the customs, learning how to socialize and to lead people to the Lord, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And to be out of this country, a lot of us don't want to leave this country. But, uh, one of the most fascinating things is to meet other people in their settings and learn how to adapt yourself to them. Now, the other day I was sitting with Evis's mom and dad and I was asking them about the Venezuelans that are coming up to Colombia. And uh, they started explaining to me what's happening in Colombia. And uh, we was having a hard time communicating. And uh, I finally told Evans, tell dad and mom, when I'm in Columbia, now you know how I feel when everybody's around talking and I don't understand a bit of Spanish and <laughs> speak Spanish. But it is something that is different. And we just want to give thanks. And Sister Laura's going to come and and she's going to share with us what she's been doing. But we're going to pray and ask God to continue to use them in a mighty way as they continue to journey through this life that he's given to them. Whatever that life might look like, he knows. So let's pray for them. And then she's going to come up and share with us. Father, We want to thank you and give you praise and give you honor. 
Because, Lord, you're the one who raises up your servants. It is not so much that we want to do something for you, but that you want to do something through us. And when you work through us, you glorify yourself. And Lord, we're so thankful that you're still picking people out of the congregation. You're still picking people who call you their Lord to serve you. No matter how they might do that. Whether if it's in a foreign land, whether if it's a professor in a foreign school, whether if it's a doctor in a hospital on a foreign field, Lord, you're still choosing people to to sin and, and to empower them to glorify your name. And Lord, we who are here, help us to support. Give us the ability to stand behind them. Not just in our finances, but in prayer for them. For none of us know what hardships befall them. The heaviness of heart for working and laboring and seeing very little fruit at times. But yet, Lord, our job is to be faithful to you. Help us to be that. To be a faithful servant, whether if it's on the field or if it's here in America. Help us to be faithful to you and having a heart that desires to glorify you. For truly, Lord, we live for you. There's no other purpose for life but to live for you. And we thank you for that. Minister to us now as Sister Laura comes and share with us her life and the ministry that you have blessed her with. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister Laura. the address to, so I can stick it in the GPS. And the other thing is, is my mic working? Is it working? Let me just check this. Working now? Okay, there we go. See, I found the address. Got the mic working. We're good to go here. Well, good morning. And um, what a pleasure it is to be here. I believe this is uh, my first time that I've come to Akron Alliance. Um, Peter and I are missionaries um, here in the Central District. It's been our spiritual home since we've begun serving um, with the Alliance, but we are not from this area. We do not have family. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Peter grew up in Maine. We met in New York, went to seminary, um, and then as we felt the Lord calling us to come to be missionaries, um, one of the pastors in West Virginia that I had known when I was in college he said, I'd like to invite you to come be a part of our church for a year, and then you can go out as missionaries with the Central District, never realizing what a rich area in ministry and support it's been um, for us. And Pastor Brown mentioned something. Um, we have been serving for many years. I'm not always good at remembering all the numbers, um, but the secret and the gem to our ministry has been the prayer support from so many churches like your own. Um, churches that we don't see and maybe don't get to know. And maybe every once four years we can come and share. But you guys have been faithful in praying over the years for missions, for missionaries, for the Lord to be honored and glorified throughout the world. And that has made it possible for us to continue to serve. Thank you also for your generosity. Okay, it is really, it is very not easy. Uh, at times with ministry, but your generosity, your finances have helped made our ministry possible for us and for many others that are on the field. 
So just thank you so much. Um, so I want to share with you a little bit about our ministry in Uruguay. But um, first of all, there's a word in Spanish is called Los Hermanos. Does anybody know Spanish here a little bit? A little bit? Un poquito? Okay. Uh, Los Hermanos means brothers and sisters. And so when we are in Salto, Uruguay, um, and we're sharing or we're greeting one another, we say hermana, sister, or hermano, brother, or los hermanos. And it's a wonderful way that we all have one heart in Christ and can just share together because we are one in Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. So then I come back to the States and I'm going, ah, what's the way? It's brothers and sisters. It doesn't flow the same. But what a wonderful thing to hear you guys say, brother and sister, and here we are, one family of God, sharing together in the ministry to let Jesus Christ be known. So, my address up until last May was Salto, Uruguay. And if you look at Uruguay on the map, you may say, where in the world is that? Think of South America. The big bulge is Brazil. That long tail is Argentina. In between those two countries on the Atlantic coast, a little country about this size Uruguay. If you land in the capital city of Montreal and you drive six hours north, you are in Brazil. It is a small country. And so when people say, I've traveled far today to come see you, maybe they've traveled 20 minutes because their perspective changes when it's such a small country. We have 13 Alliance churches, and we were up in the northwestern corner of the country. If you look across the river that's just 15 miles away, you see Argentina. We're up in the northwestern part of the um, country. We are a church of about 80, 60, 80 people on a Sunday morning. We have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. We have youth meeting on Saturday night. Ladies' meetings. We're beginning cell vision, cell groups. And it's a church of about nine years old, planted by another church in the middle of the country. But Uruguay has a ministry, and it's a hard country because it's a secular country. A philosophy and psychology is really where people look for their help when they need, when they're in problems. They don't look to religion. They don't look to God. They look to each other and to the human um, source. So we are there helping in church ministries. But we're, before we left in May to come back to the States, the pastor of the church and all the congregation got together and they said this. They all raised their Bibles and they said this. Peter and Laura, send greetings to Los Hermanos, the brothers and sisters in the States of the Alliance Churches. And so I bring you saludos. I bring you greetings from the Alliance Church in Salto, Uruguay. They are praying for us, and we've been praying for them. So what a joy it is to be able to share this morning. I want to start by just sharing a small video um, that we put together that shows you a little bit about our ministry and what it looks like if you were to worship with um, us on a Sunday morning. Um, hang in there. When we did this video, it was a very windy day. So you can hear all this wind in the background, but I hope you can still enjoy it just a little bit. We're Peter and Laura Marshall. Uh, we've been serving uh, with the Christian Missionary Alliance for the past 18 years in Uruguay. Uruguay is located in South America. A lot of people don't really know where this country is because it's small, but it's located between Brazil and Argentina. Uh, we've been serving in the city of Salto, which is in the northwestern corner uh, of Uruguay, about 355 miles north of uh, the capital city, which is Montevideo. This past four years, our ministry has been working in a Christian Missionary Alliance church. Um, that was started in 2009. Some of our ministries uh, during these last four years have been, as you can imagine, pastoring, uh, pastoring preaching, uh, discipleship, reading Bible studies. Something that we have walked through in these last four years at our church in Salto has been a, um, a pastoral change, a transition. And uh, for many of you, you've walked through this uh, journey as well in your own church, and it's not something new to us either here in Uruguay, but. What was special about these last four years was how God prepared the church in Salto for this change, how the Lord prepared just at the right time for Robert, um, the pastoral candidate, and his family, uh, Joanna and Kami, to come and be a part of our church 
and how the Lord worked in our hearts and lives. Um, Peter was asked to be the interim pastor, and we were asked to help the church walk through this change, something that we had really never done in Uruguay. And the Lord uh, did a work in our hearts, as well as in the church and in the lives of Robert and Joanna. And uh, we look forward to sharing some of these stories with you in the next few days. When you think about um, Salto and the rest of Uruguay, if you could be praying for the pastors there, there's uh, uh, 14 churches in Uruguay, and this is a very, very secular country, and the ministry load for each one of these pastors is really great, and uh, we would love it if you could be praying for them. So this morning I'd like to just share with you a little bit about, um, as you saw there in our, our ministry video, um, we've been involved in a church ministry in the city of Salto. And we've been doing teaching and preaching and mainly helping um, that new pastor come and be a part of the ministry. And as Peter and I left, um, we were just very grateful for the faithfulness of the Lord to bring Robert and Joanna at that time. But, and uh, really the church now is doing well. It is growing. Robin and Joanna are in their very first church ministry. And for them, they say it has been a big sacrifice. They moved four hours away from their family for the very first time, left their home city, and but have come with a heart to serve the Lord there in Salto. But as Peter and I were leaving, we kind of had this thought about what it has been like to be present in Uruguay. And the Lord continues to call us to be present, to go and to share the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether we go to our neighborhood, whether we go to our school, whether we go to our work, whether we go far away to another city in the States or to another country, God is calling us to be present, to be that messenger of his love to other people. And um, one thing I wanted to share with you, when we first came back to the States, we recently moved to Cleveland, but when we came back in May, we spent about three months in the Mount Vernon area. Our home here in Cleveland had not opened up yet, and uh, the address said Mount Vernon, but this was the scenery outside our home there, of our friend's home that we were staying. It was cornfields and bean fields, and if you've been in mid-Ohio in the summer, that's about all you see, okay? The GPS just has one line through all this country. You see the cornfields, you see the bean fields. We had been gone about a month in August visiting family, came back, and Peter said to me, look at the corn. You know, the corn's a corn. But anyway, it had grown so tall that we couldn't even touch it. Now, there are some things that kind of catch our eye when we come back to the States. And Peter said, do you think the corn's growing taller now since you've been gone, or is this, I've gotten shorter? Anyway, um, simple things that kind of catch your eye. Talked to a friend, and we said, is the corn taller? Is the rows, you know, closer together? This was just amazing how tall this corn was. And um, our friend said, you know, over time, they've figured out how to plant and grow corn better. They, there's technic, technology that's helped them to grow the corn better. It grows taller. There's a better harvest. There's a greater harvest for each plant. I'm not sure all of it. But things have gotten better over time in the planting of corn. Now, this is a big jump, but I was thinking after that idea about things have gotten better. Um, over time, things have gotten easier to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the resources of the Internet. We have digital books. We have, you can get online at Amazon and, and buy a Bible. Um, the resources for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ have gotten easier. There's more. You can have a Bible accessible through a podcast. You can listen to live streaming. How many of us knew what Zoom was before COVID? And now sometimes we live life on the computer without having to be face-to-face. -face. But we can work remote. Things have gotten better even to the resources of sharing the Word of God with other people. But God still calls us to be messengers. Even in our church there in Salto, Okay, um, a city of about a little less than 100,000. We may not have a Bible bookstore, um, but we still have ways to share the Word of God with people. And one of the ways is like um, 
Uruguay is a very literate country. In other parts of South America, um, education is not free like it is in Uruguay. But in Uruguay, education is free. People go to school, everyone's literate, but the idea of having a book in your house or a library in the community, that's just not part of the culture. Books are very, very expensive. A Bible itself could cost $30. That's just a paperback version, okay? It's not like you can't find a Bible in the country, but they're just expensive. So here we have a new Christian in our church in Salto. We want to disciple them. We want to encourage them to read the Bible, and it's going to cost them $30. That's kind of a lot of money for some people in our church. But here's something that is very makes uh, Bible reading very easy for them. I say, pull out your cell phone, look up Google. Google is Google in Spanish. Get on Google and look for the Bible app. Download that Bible app, open it up in what version you enjoy, and begin to read the Word of God. And they do it. Now, fortunately, they know how to use the technology. I make this suggestion because I haven't figured out all this technology yet. But many people in our church are reading the Bible through the Bible app. And it's a very popular even way right here to be able to use and read Scripture through the Bible app. Again, the resources have gotten better. But God still calls us to be his messengers and to go and to share that message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, I wanted to ask you, how many of you as you have been in your spiritual walk and getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ, before maybe you came to church, before you knew the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, how many of you had someone that talked to you about God or church in some way? Some conversation, okay? Very, very, this is a very important part in our spiritual walk, okay? In my walk with the Lord, I was a freshman in uh, West Virginia Wesleyan College. I was studying nursing. I had piles of nursing books around me in my uh, freshman room uh, there at college. And my roommate, her name was Pam. She also had a pile of nursing books around her. She was a nursing major. We'd study. We'd talk. But somewhere during the week, in that first few months of being in college, Pam wove in and separated out some time. And she said, Laura, how would you like to study the Bible? And I had always gone to church. I had grown up always going to church. And I liked to study the Bible. But I was busy. I had all these nursing books. She found time and she said, Lord, let's study the Bible a little bit together. Every week, a little bit here, a little bit there. Finally, we got to one study that I didn't know the title of the study. But the study said, How to Receive Jesus Christ as Your Lord and Savior. She said, Lord, let's take this last few minutes on today. Let's study a little bit. I have something very important I want to share with you. I kind of gave her a, a, a lot of excuses. I'm busy. I've got a lot of work to do. But she finally said, Laura, it won't take long. We shared a lesson together, and she said, Laura, have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? My answer was, I've been to church. And she said, there's more to this than church. That's a part. But she said, it's a relationship. It's knowing God as your friend, like we, sh- like we say is knowing God as Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That evening, I shared with her, and I prayed, and I became a child of God, and praised the Lord. Pam was my messenger. In that year, after she finished her freshman year, she went back to Philadelphia. She was engaged. She wanted to continue to study nursing near her fiancé and then eventually get married. And, you know, when she went to transfer her credits back to Philadelphia, Um, it turns out that very few of her credits that she had studied her freshman year were going to transfer. And I remember kind of saying to her, you know, I'm really sorry, Pam, you spent all this time uh, studying and you're going to get very little credit. And she looked at me. I was so young in the Lord. She looked at me and she said, Laura, this was worth it. God had me to come and share um, his good news with you. That was worth more than any credit that I can transfer to Temple University back in Philadelphia. And it was very true. She had been my messenger. And we're so thankful that God has called us to be his messenger in different countries. I would like to share with you, if you have your Bibles or Bible app, if we could turn to Matthew chapter 
excuse me, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. In these verses, Jesus is talking about the need to go, the need for workers to be in the harvest field. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. And Jesus has been um, probably in the region of um, the Sea of Galilee, uh, Capernaum, and he is uh, out with his disciples, and this is verse 35 that says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they harassed, were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, excuse me, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. These are very familiar verses, especially the last one that says, the, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers. There are a couple of things I'd like to share and uh, for us to look at in these verses. Um, first of all, the compassion of Jesus. When we think of God and we think of Jesus Christ, um, we think of him as always having a loving heart. He is a loving God. But here it talks about Jesus had been out with the people. Um, he had been teaching in the synagogues. We can imagine this. Then he's out walking and there are people that have needs. And so he's healing, he's teaching, he's preaching, he's talking. And as he's with the people, he begins to have compassion because he sees their reality. And you know, brothers and sisters, we can know about the scriptures that say people need to know the Lord. We can remember in our own lives what it was like before we came to know the Lord, our own needs. But there is something very, very important that when we are with the people, when we are out with people, when we begin to see and hear the reality, God, through his Holy Spirit, moves in our hearts and gives us compassion for the people that we are with. Something that I have enjoyed, um, every weekend we do share in different churches. And next weekend, we're going to be in Heartland in Lexington, Ohio, Mansfield, Ohio. And um, this week, we've been here in Akron. I've really enjoyed the times here in Akron. I know they've been kind of short, but we've had time to eat together. We've time to uh, talk together in the foyer and the meals. Um, even here in this church, just to hear what kind of work you're doing, where, see where your church is at. You know, your reality here in Akron, there's a great spiritual need. But your reality is very different than my reality there in Uruguay. But as you are here in Akron, and you are hearing and seeing the people you work with, your family, you see just what is going on on the streets, the Lord gives us compassion. It's easy to think that just because Peter and I get on a plane, pack those suitcases, and go to Uruguay, we have compassion. You know, our world in Uruguay became very familiar. And when we did go back time after time, often we had to pray, Lord, give us your heart, your eyes to see the people here. Because we were very familiar. We had friends. But the Lord, move in our hearts. Give us the compassion. Help us to understand the reality of people. So how did we do that? Daily life in Uruguay is not real different than here. We'd stand in the line at the bank. There's no drive-through ATMs, okay? So we'd stand in the line at the bank. It opens at 1 o'clock. People are getting their paychecks cashed. I'm waiting for the ATM machine. And you just hear people talking on their cell phones. You hear the conversations. You hear what the football scores are, the soccer scores, okay? You hear the reality. You see people picking up their kids from school. You stand at the ham and cheese line at the deli at the grocery store. You're waiting. You hear. You listen to people. You see what's going on in their lives. Sometimes you see what's in their grocery cart and understand there's not a lot of money this month, you know. They're making food stretch. People in our church share their needs. As we were with the people, God began to move on our hearts, and he gives us that compassion. And from there, we can share, we can pray, we can minister. Secondly, the harvest is plentiful from these verses. 
we know that. But um, Jesus was talking about something different. In John chapter 4, there's a similar passage where Jesus is also talking about the harvest. And he says to his disciples, Do you not say four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe to harvest. So Jesus here, when he's talking in scripture, he's talking about a spiritual harvest. His disciples over here were looking around and saying, yeah, you know, over there in a few more months, there will be a harvest because we think of the earthly harvest. In South Doe, Uruguay, where we live, it's an agricultural area, and we have our harvest times as well. There's rice, there's wheat, there's sorghum, there's sunflowers, there's um, these yellow stripes of fields that go for acres and acres, and it's the um, yellow flower of the canola plant. Where do we get all that canola oil? Well, they grind up the seeds from that flower and they make the canola oil. Now, our harvest times are like February, March, and April because we are south of the equator. Harvest is, uh, you know, during your winter month, your kind of spring months ending up on our summer months. So it's kind of reversed. But there again, the disciples were saying, the earthly harvest isn't for a few more months. Here in Ohio, when we were there in Mount Vernon, the beans began to turn yellow. The sign that the harvest is coming, but not quite yet. I understand it's like in October or something. It's got to be at the right time. It's got to wait for it to be mature. Jesus is saying here, look, and the harvest fields are plentiful. They are ripe. But how do we see this? Only the Holy Spirit gives us the eyes to see and the ears to hear where there is a spiritual harvest. But Jesus is saying, go and be ready, and I will lead you into that harvest field. And you don't always have to wait. Sometimes we think, this person here might want to know about the Lord, and then the Lord leads us to someone else. The harvest field is ripe. We just need to be ready and to go, and to have the compassion for the people that the Lord leads us to. And then thirdly, I wanted to share with you, the Lord calls us, to be his messengers. Um, I've shared this and we know it. We know the great commission that says, go and make disciples. The Lord calls each of us to go and be ready to help bring that spiritual harvest in, to share the gospel, to plant the seed. But he's also calling us, we need to continue to go. It's easy to get the Bible online. It's easy to download and see a Bible app. It's easy to read a commentary online like we would do in Salto. We'd get on Amazon. Peter would say, I need a commentary on the book of Mark. I press click, add to the cart. There it comes to the Kindle. All those things make helping to share the gospel easier. But God calls us to personally go and be present there in the harvest field. And... um, We've enjoyed since we've been back on the field in Uruguay. We have lots of fruits and vegetables that are always fresh. But people don't have the gardens like they have here. And so fresh tomatoes, fresh corn out of the garden is a real uh, joy. Now, when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, we had a garden. My parents had grown up in Iowa, and they continued that tradition in our backyard. They had a big garden. And my sister and I, we always had to get the tomatoes in. My mom would say, take the bushel basket down, fill it up. I remember a few afternoons, to make this more fun, my sister and I decided to play football with the tomatoes. Boom, boom. And my mom would call out, stop mushing the tomatoes. But how are we going to get those tomatoes up to the house to make the tomato juice and to can them? My sister and I had to go fill up the bushel basket and bring it out and bring it to my mom. Spiritually speaking, too, God is asking us, Go into that harvest field, be present, be ready, and I will help you bring in the harvest and I will lead you. But we need to continue to go. And we need to continue to pray that God will raise up workers. Um, As we've been here in the churches and even as we see um, and here in the Alliance, um, there are a lot of Alliance missionaries, 700 in many countries. There are many pastors here. But we need to keep praying, Lord, raise up workers who are called to commit their hearts and their lives to this ministry. There is getting to be at times less and less 
full-time workers, if we can say, that are committing, saying, I will go, I will do this, I will leave my home, or I will leave my work and commit myself to be a part of this ministry. Robert and Joanna, as you saw just a little bit there in that video, they were the new pastor family that came to Salto to be now the new pastor there. Robert had had a um, full-time work as a... Um, let me see how I can explain this. So in Uruguay, there's eucalyptus trees, tall trees that grow. We don't have the oaks. We don't have the maples. We don't have all those pretty trees. We have these tall eucalyptus trees. And it's for the paper mill down on the river near Buenos Aires. And so his job, after the trees were cut down, he would come in with those big claws, and he would pick up and he would load the trucks night after night. He worked the night shift, 12 hours loading the trucks with a big headlight on his um, picker. and But what was he doing while he was doing that? He was listening to his seminary class on tape that he had recorded or, you know, downloaded. And he was learning and studying all night long while he's loading the truck. And then the Lord said, now is the time to go to Salto. He left that job. They left their family. And they left the one home that they had built and they came to our church to commit their hearts to full-time ministry, to live, as Peter shared on Friday night, in a very small, two little rooms. But they said, we will come, and we will be here because the Lord has called us to come. We need to continue to pray that the Lord will raise up workers that will commit their hearts to full-time. So as we have been present in Salto, and working there, the Lord has encouraged our hearts in three ways about the importance of being present to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one is we have been present to do the ministry he has called us to do. I'm sure during this your years as you've heard uh, workers come in and share about their ministry, we often use these words, what do I do? My ministry is, you know. Our ministry has been teaching, preaching, helping this church move into the transition to a new pastor, training new workers. And so that is the ministry that we have been called to do and that the Lord helped us to do during these past few years. Sometimes, though, when people think about going, they say, how am I going to know what to do? Am I going to be able to do what the Lord has called me to do in this, min in this country? And, you know, as we read Scripture, what does the Lord say? I am faithful. As I call you, I am faithful to gift you and to give you that ability in that moment to do that ministry that I have called you to do. And the Lord has shown himself faithful to Peter and I. We have served for many years. It's been in different kinds of ministries. Sometimes it's been ministries that we've done before. But often it's been in the moment that as the Lord opened up the moment to teach or to preach, the Lord has gifted us and helped us to do that ministry. We do not have to fear that we will not have the ability to do what the Lord has called us to do. As we go in obedience, he gives us the ability, and we rely upon him and his Holy Spirit. And we are so thankful for the faithfulness of the Lord. So we have been present to do the ministry that he has called us to do. We have been present in Salto to pray. As you all pray together here for us and for the needs in your church, we have been praying there in Salto for the needs. Um, something that Pastor Brown mentioned that's very prevalent in Uruguay. If you get on uh, Uruguay and you look on a web page, you know, what would it be like to visit Uruguay? You'll see white sandy beaches, blue uh, ocean. You'll see lots of green grass with cows. You'll see lots of meat on the grill. Who doesn't like to eat meat, you know? We've got lots of meat down there because it's a cattle-producing country. Uh, lots of yogurt, lots of milk, lots of cheese, and high cholesterol counts. Lots of good things to enjoy. But if you take an early walk on those white, sandy beaches, you're going to come across something that isn't normally there, and you'll find a dead chicken with a surrounding of little pieces of um, burnt-out candles surrounding this on the beach. And that's all it is. But it speaks very clearly that while I was sleeping, or Peter and I were sleeping, there was a sacrifice made on the beach to the sea goddess, to the sun goddess. And this isn't just happening on the beach. It will happen on the doorsteps of the church. It will happen on the street corners. 
And so we come to Salta, we're present to pray against the forces and the influence of Satan, who is our enemy. Something else that's very subtle in Uruguay that speaks that people are trusting someone else besides the true God is just a little red ribbon on their wrist, okay? When I think of red ribbon from Joanne Fabric or Hobby Lobby, I'm going to decorate, I'm going to tie a bow on my gifts or something. People buy a little bit of red ribbon and they tie it on their wrist. They put it on the muffler of the motorcycle. They put it on the door of their house, on their business. Some people plant the new trees and they put it on each tree. Some people put it on their newborn child. Very simple thing. What does this mean? It is not a decoration. It is the idea. I put this ribbon here believing that there is a higher force and influence that will keep away the evil spirits. It's called red magic, similar to black magic. And it's a very subtle, quiet influence in Uruguay. A simple thing, red ribbon. We come together to pray against these influences, and we pray that God will break through and people will understand. They can trust the one and only true God to protect them, their family, and their possessions. Not a red ribbon, not another force or influence in their life. And then we come together to pray one for another in our church. And it's a great joy to pray together with Robert and Joanna. It's also a great joy, sometimes after a service, to get together and to pray with the brothers and sisters. Family life is very fractured in Uruguay. People carry lots of burdens for their family to come to know the Lord or just to bring peace in the middle of the confusion. And so we come together to pray. And then lastly, we've been present in Salto just to be the presence of Jesus Christ as we live daily life. Um, you know, when we come to share with you about our ministry, it, uh, it's easy to look like this is all we do. But as we lived in the city of Salto, many of our days look like this. I wake up, I stick a load of clothes in the laundry, I um, open the refrigerator door because by about 11 o'clock I need to be thinking about cooking lunch. Our lunch hour is like your supper hour. It's the big meal of the day. And so we have a lot of ministry that happens between 4 to 8 to 9 o'clock at night. There's no going home and having supper. We eat supper at about 10 o'clock at night, okay? So um, I open the refrigerator door. I may not see everything I need in the refrigerator. I have a few things. I make a list. I grab the keys to the front gate. I go out. I walk up about a block and a half. Uh, turn a corner, get to the uh, pork market, and I walk inside, take my number, and everything in most stores in Uruguay at the meat counter is behind a glass. So while I'm waiting for my number, I'm window shopping, what kind of meat am I going to buy? Eventually I buy a couple uh, pork chops, buy some bacon, go out of there, take my bag, keep walking up a couple blocks, might have some Sunday school copies that I'm going to make for Sunday school. I pick up some paper and crafts, there at that store, I come back, pick up a bag of milk, say hi to the lady who has the milk store, and finish up by going to a little vegetable store near our house where um, this guy, young guy, he always just has some crates of fruit, fresh fruits and vegetables there on the sidewalk. He always asks me, ¿Qué vas a cocinar, señora? That's basically, what are you going to cook, lady, ma'am? Sometimes I respond back, to, and then he'll say, Okay, querida señor, what does the head of the house want, you know? My husband, I say, la cocinera va a cocinar esto. I say, the cook is going to cook this because that's what I want to cook. We have a fun little conversation. I pick up my potatoes. If I find broccoli, I'm doing good. Uruguay doesn't have a lot of broccoli. Pick up carrots, tomatoes, lettuce, walk home, hang up the laundry on our roof that has uh, a laundry line, and I get to look over down into our neighbor's uh, yard because she also has her laundry down there. Her name is Susanna. She's hanging up her laundry. Often we talk about, you know, how much sun are we going to have today to uh, get this laundry dry? What are you cooking for lunch? Okay, then we go in and we start lunch and the day goes on. Daily life, as you all live here in Akron as well, daily life gives us those opportunities to respond, to encourage, to greet and share sometimes just the light of Christ as we are with people. And that has probably been as we were packing up and leaving to come back to the States in May. I just kind of looked out in the neighborhood and I 
wasn't having any great spiritual moment, but I just said to Peter, you know, we've got the ministry intact in, in church. We have new leaders. Robin and Joanna are here. There are people praying. But who's going to be the presence of Christ in our neighborhood? The presence, that treasure that we have in that little clay part of our body is the fragrance of Christ to our neighbors, to those that we interact with. We need to be present to share that love of Christ. I just want to close to share with you this uh, story of our neighbor, Mima, that encouraged our hearts that even a little short time with your neighbor can have a great result. Mima lived next door to us, and when I say next door, um, in Uruguay, the homes are like this, often in the uh, cities or towns. It's concrete homes. You share concrete walls. So when you go out your front gate and you turn right to go up the sidewalk, there is Mima's house right there. And she has a gate, she had a little patio. Her dog, Blanca, that was a white dog, would come out, stick his head out through the gate. I'd pet his head. Mima would often be outside, an older lady, and she's sweeping. So in Uruguay, you can let your grass grow, and the neighbor doesn't really care about how high your grass is. But something, if you have a sidewalk in front of your home, you're responsible for keeping that sidewalk clean. The leaves come, a little bit of litter comes, dogs leave a few other things. Those sidewalks get dirty, and you should be out at least sweeping your sidewalk, cleaning up the trash a few times a week. Mima was always out twice a day, okay? Sweep, sweep, sweep. And I would pass by sometimes, and we'd talk. Mima had one theme, and she would talk to me. She'd be sweeping, and she'd say, why can't those neighbors up top, because we lived kind of on this hill going up the, um, the block, why can't they uh, clean their walk? Because when the wind comes, all their leaves and garbage come down to my sidewalk, and I have to keep cleaning. Now, Mima's strategy for keeping this all clean, she didn't have a dustpan. So she sweeps, 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 and she'd leave her pile of leaves and garbage right at my, where our sidewalk started. And she'd look at me, and she'd say, you know, Laura, I think it's going to rain today, and the water's going to come down the street and just wash that all away, and you won't have to worry about it. I look out some days, and that pile was still sitting there. I go out, I sweep it up, try to sweep up a few little bit. But anyway, um, we often just had conversations with me about sweeping, about the neighbors, about the grass, about the leaves, pet blanca, we go on our way. We are getting ready to leave, packing up our things in our home, um, getting literally ready to um, shut down our home. Our landlord was going to come one afternoon and uh, inspect the home, and then we were going to leave. And uh, in Uruguay, when you are actually going to leave, whether you're moving or whatever, it's polite and expected that you will go around and say goodbye to people. So at church they had a farewell, and some neighbors had a farewell, um, but we still had a few people on our list that we needed to say goodbye to. On our very last day, I'm inside cleaning, trying to get the house in order, and Peter comes inside and he says, Laura, Mima's outside. We need to go outside and say goodbye to her. So I go outside thinking, got to make this quick. So what do you think Mima's doing while she's out there? Sweeping away. Okay. Peter and I had decided to give her one of our old dustpans. Mima, this will make your life easier. Here's a dustpan to help you sweep up. I'm not sure your next neighbor's going to be that happy to see that pile. Anyway, she kind of smiled. She said, well, I might use that. Anyway, all of a sudden she said, you know, all these years been here you've never seen the inside of my home and I think that's true I'm not sure today I have that time either but we went inside she showed us our small home and she began to talk about her family then she began to talk about how life was for her that she had her lunch she swept her walks she watched some tv and there was no one that she could talk to and as she began to listen to Mima here was a lady saying I'm lonely she said to us, I don't know who's moving in next door, if they'll even want to talk to me when I'm sweeping my walk. You guys have talked to me, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm a very lonely woman. There gone was the conversation about the neighbors who didn't sweep their walk. Here was a lady saying, I'm lonely. Peter took a hold of that, and in just a few short minutes, he shared with Mima, you know, Mima, there's someone greater than a neighbor and more friendlier than a neighbor that can move in and be a part of your life. And his name is Jesus Christ. He wants to be your friend. 
if you will invite and pray and invite him into your life, he will be your constant friend. Peter shared with her, her just quickly about what it would be like to pray and receive Christ. And then Peter said, can we just pray together? It's kind of our custom as we say goodbye. We'd like to pray. And so Peter, um, Mima looked at Peter and she kind of stood back and she said, we're going to pray? And Peter said, let's just talk to God. Okay, we can do that. And so we talked to God. Peter shared with her as he prayed how to receive Jesus Christ. And he prayed a blessing over her and he prayed that she would understand and come to know Jesus Christ as her best friend. When Peter finished the prayer, Mima looked straight at Peter and he says, I receive what you prayed. Praise the Lord. We don't know exactly what she was saying. But you know, in Revelation 3.20 it says, As we open the door, Jesus is there knocking. As we open the door, he comes in. And we believe that uh, Mima opened the door a little bit in her heart there to have Jesus Christ come in. As we went to leave... Nima said, i got one more thing for you. I'm going, no, no, more time. And she says, here. And she puts in my hand, kind of like a, a corn quiche, warm. She says, I didn't know if you had anything to eat for lunch today, but I wanted you to have this. She had ordered it. They brought it to the house. You know, you can order online, and she brought it in. We went back to our house. Our house was completely empty because we were getting ready. No stove, no refrigerator, no silverware, no nothing. And here God had used Mima to bless us with lunch. We prayed, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness that allowed us to have a chance to share with Mima. Keep that seed growing, and thank you for blessing our lives. What a wonderful gift and privilege it is to be present in people's lives, in and out of their daily lives, to share the light of Jesus. So thank you for helping us to be present in Uruguay. Thank you for helping us to continue to persevere. Your prayers, your support have encouraged us, and we've been very grateful. Thank you so much.